Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back. Excited to be with you for the next hour or so as we discuss the latest in mixed martial arts. We also have a guest today, Yanni Diakomo Hollis. Sorry for butchering your name, Yanni. I didn't last week when we pre-recorded this interview prior to me getting Bell's palsy. If you haven't heard Spinning Back Click or Junkie Radio, I do have Bell's palsy again, and that's why I sound the way I do. And uh, maybe that'll explain us and our timing with the Yanni Diakomahalis interview. Of course, this week we got a busy week with uh, Bellator 293, Temecula, California, tomorrow night, actually. Check it out. Got some heavyweights banging at the top, Gone versus James. We interviewed Daniel James. Really, really cool guy. I wanted to watch him fight in person, but unfortunately, after what happened to me, staying home. And then on Saturday, we got PFL. First week of the regular season, we'll go over that. Game-bred boxing. I'm excited about that because there's so many of our MMA brothers and sisters boxing on Saturday night. That is a pay-per-view, by the way. And then, of course, March Madness. You know, goes and I are fanatics of other sports. So lots to talk about. Here we go. And a continual big ups to Gabe, our producer behind the scenes, who did a lot of work for us on Monday, helping us out with the show, uh, out of his normal time duties. And the whole team, honestly, backing me up here with what I'm going through goes, of course, numero uno in my book. Um, and you listeners of the show who have sent me some really nice messages. Thank you. Can, right. I, can I double on that real quick? I, I don't know. I don't know what's in the water over there. Gabe is amazing, George. I don't even know how to explain this to you. With people that we get plugged into to have to work with within USA Today, these are people that we've never met. And you know, there's a couple people that that come in and have uh, say over the show or or segments that we do, like spinning back click. Gabe Gudgel, dude. I swear to God, man. Sometimes I send this guy like almost like an idea like hey what if we did blah 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 like i don't even have to explain it to him when, whenever we have these situations where plug this in or we got to do this or we got to do that i really don't even have to explain it to him he just kind of gets it and he always figures out a way to make it happen and i say this because i've dealt with people that do the same thing he does and they're not like that he almost gets spoiled and, and then you're right like you know the rest of the staff has been really cool um, you know, just, uh, just knowing that, uh, if something were to, to happen to us or whatever, to know that people have your back, that's, that's a nice feeling. So, uh, thank you to all the listeners and, and then to George, uh, the fact that he went and did, uh, an interview on Monday, uh, you have to remember when it comes to Bell's palsy every day, probably feels like a week. 
and he's making improvements and there's slight improvements, but this was Monday, you know, this all happened to him on Friday and this was Monday. He was in the studio doing an interview, which is absolutely nuts to me, but, but he did it. So everybody's trying to do their part and uh, I'm sure we're all going to get through this, but, but yeah, just support systems are incredible. They are for sure. Um, I'm definitely feeling more confident. Um, I, I wish improvements, like I told goes yesterday, I wish it was like NFL football, which most of us follow. And you get the injury report and it'll say out means you're not playing on Sunday. Uh, doubtful means it's probably not looking like you're playing Sunday unless barring a miracle, right, of some rehab throughout the week questionable, which I think we've all interpreted as, yeah, that fool's going to get out there. We're going to give him a shot, and he's playing, you know. And uh, probable, meaning he got nicked up. He's okay. We got to acknowledge the injury for the NFL. It's, it's really, really strict policy the NFL has with this. Um, you have to reveal your injuries. And then, of course, if you're good to go, you're good to go. Well, it's not like that here. You know, I told goes, boy, I, I feel like I'm 7% one day, 9%, 12%. I wish I could tell you, I'm 50% back or something like that, but I'm not. I also know that I'm probably graded on the curve. Hey, you look better, probably sound is more realistically, you look less like shit. <laughs> but I see myself. I'm staring at myself right now, and I can definitely tell that's not the way I want to be for the rest of my life. So that, you know, that, that makes me a little sad. But I think I I think you are able to grasp what I'm saying. So I can still do the job, just probably not in front of the camera for a while. But anyway, enough of that. I don't want to bring everyone down. We're all dealing with problems, um, and we we, ha we all have to move on. But, yeah, Gabe Gudgel, man, you're a really special guy. A lot of the people behind the scenes that sometimes we don't mention their names. Producer Austin Alvarez is a, is a, a big help over at Sticky Paws Studio, the Sticky Paws Studio team. They always greet us very nicely. The other members of the team are running in and out in case we need some water or some lighting fixtures or audio fixtures, you know, tightened up. So they're solid. That's John Orlando's team. There's another guy that doesn't get mentioned too much either, Chris Corder, um, another one of the suits over at USA Today Sports. I know him and Goes work together a lot um, on stuff that has to do with the show, the the watch-along and, and all that. So... Shout out to those guys. Um, speaking of the watch along, I don't see why we wouldn't do it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I know I got the Wells Falls, you know, but that's still a few weeks away, and I'm keeping positivity. April 8th, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific for the pay per view. That's Israel Adesanya trying to get his title back against uh, Alex Fajeda. And then you also got Jorge Masvidal and Gilbert Burns in a God, I want. I wish I could call it a title eliminator match. But the UFC is really sticking to what they're saying that Colby Covington's next for Leon Edwards, and of course, there's a strong case for Bilal Muhammad to be the guy if it wasn't Colby. But we've covered the sport long enough to know that if Jorge Masvidal were to do something great, um, actually, hold on to that thought. Gilbert Burns did an interview with Danny Segura, and he thinks he can steal the show. Now, Gilbert Burns is pretty beloved by fans. His, his fights are always exciting, and he's just kind of been hanging around at the top for a while. You know, he even got a title shot at, at one point. So let's not dismiss him. You know, he, he can obviously win. But 
uh, the UFC's shown us over the years that business is business, and we know Harim Masvidal is good business for them. Now, when you have that, along with something that's two, there's two other factors: pay-per-views. That's one. Okay, that's business is business. Two, heat between two fighters. Come on, three piece in a soda. You can tell every time that's brought up to Leon Edwards, even though he's wearing the gold, and even though he just beat Kamaru Usman two out of three, it still chaps his hide that someone stole on his jaw in London, England a few years ago. That was 2019, folks. But I get it. You know, I mean, that that that, that, that sucks. You know, this, these guys are the alphas of alpha males out there. So a little slap, a three-piece, you want to get that back if you want, if you have a chance. Um, and finally, uh, maybe that was it. Maybe, maybe I didn't have two other thoughts. And if it comes to me, I'll, I'll say it. But... Yeah, so there's 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 that that's that built-in storyline that the UFC can throw at you to sell those pay-per-views. So, in other words, you could be a big seller of pay-per-views, but when you also have a story that goes with it, I think that multiplies it. There you go. Um, mm -hmm. Nice day, George. But that's why I th I thought it was premature for them to announce what they did, and that, that's why I think when people say, "Oh, maybe it's tied into," uh, you know this lawsuit that they have going on or maybe they want to re-up with ESPN and they want to clear their names of stuff that's happening behind the scenes. I listen to that because um, no disrespect to Colby, even though he's kind of not the same Colby I met a few years ago, the dude produces when he fights. Even when he's lost, he's handled, he, he's fought really, really well, competed really well. So I know he's one of the top welterweights. But the fact is he just hasn't been as active. He's had his couple title shots, um, and he is in a lockjam with a bunch of others. So, anyway, goes. Did you want to chime in on welterweight anything lately? Since I went off on that tangent there, I mean, I think I, I saw what Gilbert Burns says, and there's always that shot. Like, what if he had almost like a Masvidal esque, like what he did to Ben Askren, something like that, where everybody's just out of their seats, going, "Who the hell is this guy? What the hell? What the hell is that all about?" Maybe, but honestly, the more and more Dana White gets pushed into a corner about this Colby thing, I think the more stubborn he probably gets and wants to do it. And, you know, you can believe what you want as far as backroom deals and this and that. But I feel like Colby's probably the, the guy. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's unfortunate for guys like Bilal Muhammad, although Bilal Muhammad met with UFC President Dana White, and he but seems to be... Really? Yeah, it, se it seems like he ain't really tripping anymore, so. Oh, well. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see what that means. Maybe you walked out of that out meeting with a check. Who knows? Yeah, but, I uh, imagine. Yeah. And I just realized my tangent was part of me promoting the watch-along, so there you go. That was the watch-along promo with a little, uh, little coverage of the latest in the welterweight division. Uh, April 8th, we're doing it again at Sticky Paws. Tune in. And uh, I'm sure you'll hear more about that later. But anyway, we'll start. We'll stick to that theme at least, since we're going to cover some news before we get to our guests later on. Um, Israel Adesanya goes. It's kind of spinning it a little bit. He's saying, "This is my last chance," and this is my last shot. Actually, is the correct quote. He was on his YouTube channel and he says, "I'm hunting." I mean that in every sense of the word. The mindset is different, definitely. Even Eugene and I are on the same page. The mindset is definitely different. If 
I like it because it puts it all on me, and it's kind of poetic in a way. One life, roll the dice. This is my last shot, and I'm going to give it all I got in every sense of the word. You know, that's pretty cool. I enjoy Izzy's YouTube channel. I don't like sometimes when it's too much of um, prophetic statements or, uh, like, I get enough of that from the countdown and then those repetitive phrases throughout the week of the embeddeds, typical phrases. John Jones can do that, too. Oh, my God. Yeah, they can just drill you to death with it. In fact, all athletes, but MMA athletes are pretty special in this department. You know what I mean? The hay is in the barn. Anyway, um, I would disagree with Israel Adesanya. It's your last shot at Alex Fajeda, possibly, but um, who did we just talk about for like five minutes? Colby Covington. You know, he's in a pickle because he's 0-3 against Alex Fajeda, 0-1 in MMA, albeit, 0-1 in title fights, albeit, and should he lose? Yeah. Fajeda's not going to want to defend against Israel Adesanya again because he will have beaten him two times in MMA in title fights and two times in kickboxing. But to be fair, Israel was very competitive in all of them. And, you know, he almost knocked out Alex Fajeda in round one. So it's not like you can look at it and say, mm, what would be the what would be a good comparison? I can't even think of a good one right now. But um, maybe Chuck and Tito, you know, or something like that, where I was like, come on, bro. Or, or maybe even Ronda and Misha, although Misha gave her, a little bit of hell in the second fight, but you know, like they've, they've been committed. And so, what happens is all Axel Hate has to do is move up and relinquish or lose to someone else, like a Whitaker or Hamza Shemaya, I don't know, whoever. And guess who's a player again? Israel Adesanya, who's kind of beating all these guys, he's got aces up his sleeve. So, but I get it, it's part of promotion and. You know, I just hope he doesn't really, uh, you know, mentally pin himself like like he's up against the wall and this is it. You know what I'm saying? Like, he almost made it look like one of those movies, those scary movies where the, the buzzsaw is getting closer to your neck. I got to make a move. This is it. This is it. Bitch, you're not about to die. You mm-hmm. know, it's a fight. Go out there and do what you've been doing before and just kind of don't make that one mistake you know, that you seem to make in every fight. And you, you probably will be wearing the gold. I'm pretty sure, goes. I'm going with Izzy. In the next one, how about you? I'm definitely going with Israel Adesanya on the next one. Um, he has this way of uh, when he promotes fights, and I think he makes it maybe a little bit more dramatic than it really needs to be. That's just his way, I think, of promoting the fight. Yeah, but uh, and I get it, you know, he can be a deep guy sometimes in his thinking and all that, but um. Uh, I didn't really understand the quote too much because I think the word he used was I'm going hunting or something like that. And, and to me, what that uh, would represent is like maybe a more aggressive Israel Adesanya, which mm-hmm. I don't know that that's a great idea because I honestly, like he's not going to want to hear this because he lost the fight, but I thought he was doing pretty damn good, you know, up until that moment. I don't know that a lot of things have to change. But if there is one thing that changes, I probably wouldn't say put your foot even more on the gas because you did almost knock him out in round one. Round one, you have like two more seconds. That fight probably gets stopped. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. I, I would almost say do what you did the first time because uh, it's not like Brea is 
aggressively gotten better in the ground game or something, you know, like he's probably going to come out the same dude. And then maybe at the end, I don't want to say coast, but just be more on your guard or something, you know, but uh, we'll have to see, man. I'm glad that he's on the same coach, the same page as his coach. Like I I can't imagine what that would be like going into a fight and not being on the same page. Yeah. Well, I think maybe most fighters want to go out there and get the job done quickly. And the coaches usually say, Hey, Hey, let's be patient, use all our tools. And so they might, they might, I, I think what he's trying to say is coaches usually like an eight to 10 play drive, 75 yards, four rushes, four passes, score seven points. Fighters usually like to throw a bomb on <laughs> or a mm-hmm. trick play, you know, and get it done in a couple of plays. But yeah, no, I get what he's saying. And, um, but I will say this, this is maybe why sometimes I, I like channels like Chael Sonnen or Daniel Cormier or even Henry Cejudo is very refreshing because mm-hmm. sometimes they'll show that the screen and they'll show mistakes and corrections. And now I know fighters maybe might not want to show what they're about to do, but I think sometimes the fighters would kind of open more about that. That's content I like. Um, the whole, you know, speaking about the universe and, you know, the stars lining up and legacies. I don't know. Sometimes I detach from that a little bit. But whatever, man. Once you, I suppose, once you're the best in the world at something, especially as long as Izzy was, you can probably say whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, sure. Because people are going to react to it. But, um, some other news that's out there. The the fight between Corey Sanhagen and Marlon Vera, you know, it's in the books, and uh, we often talk about, well, what's next for each guy? Well, sometimes I think we neglect to see, well, what are their injuries, right? I guess the injuries already came out. The injury report came out. Corey Sanhagen suspended for 45 days, Marlon Vera for 30 days. So that sounds like real minor stuff. Sounds like both guys can get after it if they want to. There wasn't a vicious knockout or anything like that. Um, so I think both guys can bounce back and stay in play. Remember, Bantamweight's a really active division. Staying ready is probably healthy and ready is one of the more important things. Holly Holm, Yana Santos, both suspended only 30 days. Nate Landwehr won his fight. He got 30 days. Macy Barber, Andrea Lee, 30 days. So it seems like the bigger names on the card got 30 days there were four fighters that got 180 days but even sometimes that's just to be checked out further maybe it's a knee oh is it a tear then they get back home check with the doctor it's not and maybe it gets reduced or whatever but chidi and Jokowani, seven days um the only thing i'll say is if the texas doctors or anything like the texas commission in reality the people that got 180 days probably only have hangnails okay, really? this weekend if needed well actually that's that, that joke didn't work because UFC's off this weekend. But guess who's not off goes? Bellator. Um, Bellator has got a fight card coming up this weekend. It's not the sexiest, I'm not going to lie. But after getting to interview Daniel James, I'm going to be watching this fight against Marcelo Gome. And then Kat Zingano does have a stake to put in the ground. If she can get past Leah McCourt, how can it not be her versus Chris Santos if Chris Santos were to resign with Bellator? But what is taking so long with the Chris Santos thing? Kazingana was even saying 
she's like an old yet lady just screaming at this point. And I'm starting to feel the same way. Like, what is going to happen here? We already know there's flexibility at Bellator with the association with Showtime Boxing. Chris can box if she wants. But what exactly is going to happen? Could Chris have something else up her sleeve? PFL is always a scary option. They got now the uh, pay-per-view thing going on. So, you know, every time I read that Chris hasn't signed, um, I, uh, I I always wonder, could something be happening there? You know, maybe maybe we get that Kayla Harrison fight that we want. Well, what are your thoughts on all this? I think Bellator is uh, such a tough – because it's so easy, you know, when you're not in their boardroom to say to have an opinion – but I feel like a little bit is being dropped a, a ball a little bit in the fact that Cyborg isn't signed because you would just feel that the Cat Zingano fight means even more if you have that that waiting. You know, every time Cat Zingano says, Well, she's not even signed, like, why are we even talking about her? It kind of takes away from her fight a little bit. It, it does. Makes you, it makes you less excited about her fight because then you go, well, then what are you doing here? You know, like what, why should I tune into your fight? Where if you knew Cyborg was signed, or even if you said like, it looks like things are, are going in the right direction, you would just feel different about it. But I think Kat Zingano kind of does herself a little disjustice every time she brings it up. Like that girl doesn't even exist. It, I think it kind of makes her fight a little, little less meaningful, which hurts her. So uh, I wish Bellator had a little bit more of a statement on that. Me too. Chris Cyborg's 37. She'll be 38 in the summer. But she still looks great. I'm in awe of her when I see her. When I saw her at Bellator, I really was like, wow, man. Like That literally is <laughs> probably the greatest or the second greatest female fighter that this planet goes has ever seen, you know, in the history of life on this planet. Like, that's where we're at right now. And with her four belts, and she was really nice to us. She has goes to take a picture that day. <laughs> but, yeah, what does this fight mean? Make something out of this? Maybe I'm more passionate because I had wanted to go to the card. It's a SoCal card. Why isn't Lorenz Larkin on this card? I don't right. know. I got my questions. And, uh, yeah, this is uh, kind of takes me off a little bit. But, anyway, uh, not enough that I won't get over it and I won't tune in. So that's what Bellator is doing. Bellator's Friday, March 31st. So that's tomorrow, folks. 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on Showtime. Sometimes they go 9-6. This is 10 and 7. They're out at Pachanga Resort Casino. We've been to it. There's not a bad seat in the house. So if you want to make a, a night out of it, they got a beautiful hotel where you can stay at. There's gambling just like in Vegas, blackjack, roulette, all that stuff, and uh, machines. So to go uh, – and good food too. There's wineries if you want to make a weekend out of it. It's really not a bad space to wind up and if you want to go and take in some fights you're just looking for something to do um the weekend before easter check it out john salter versus aaron jeffrey rustan kavalov versus jaleel willis uh, adam piccolati pam Sorensen. they're on the card joey davis there's some recognizable names a couple undefeated fighters archie colgan versus justin montavo um all right on Saturday, that's the busier of the two days. That one, man, that's a. If you're a sports fan, 
That's a big night. That's what you want to you want to take the lady out on on Friday. Sorry, Bellator, but you probably want to take the lady out on Friday. Nice dinner, and then on Saturday say, leave us. Uh, you know, says that goes. Yeah. Oh man. Who? That's what I, that's what I'm gonna tell Juliet. Me and Yogi will be sitting there, and I'll just say, leave us. Who is it? Um, coming to America when Joffrey wants to talk to the the daughter of of uh, well his daughter. Yeah. Okay. Leave us. Um, you got March Madness. You know their their final four. You got. Uh, do you remember all the schools, by the way? UConn, San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, or something like that, and Miami. Yeah. Holy cow! Like, I mean, UConn's won some titles, but the rest are just you know racket busters, man. Yeah, man, this, that gets kind of exciting in a way. But anyway, you got that foursome. Then you mm-hmm. got PFL, and let me give you the exact times on PFL. PFL's on ESPN, folks. So that's big stuff there. They're on ESPN at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. That's the main card. And then before that, they'll be on ESPN Plus. And then you got Game Red Boxing, which is available on the UFC's Fight Pass. However, it is a pay-per-view. So now usually, you know, you start going down Fight Pass after I just told you something about what's happening on CBS or whatever the March Madness is on, free fights on ESPN. It kind of is hard to get there. But let me just go over this card that they put together. You might want to tune in, man. These are some big names from MMA. Yes, past their prime, but I still think it's going to be fun to just watch them compete. I think once you become fans of them, you tend to follow them and you know and and uh, cheer for them. I guess mm-hmm. Roy Jones Jr. versus Anthony Pettis is the main event. Pettis making his boxing debut against the guy who's got seventy-five more professional boxing matches than him. Roy Jones Jr. comes in at 66-9-0, former all-time great in boxing, but he is in his 50s. <clears throat> Jose Aldo against Jeremy Stevens. Aldo last competed in MMA this past August. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame this July, but in between, he's going to box. He's making his debut. Jeremy Little, he's in Stevens. He's making his boxing debut. That's the co-main event. Vitor Belfort, who's 1-0 in boxing. He's going to be boxing against Ronaldo Jacare Souza. That's the featured route. So 1-0 against 0-0. Two Brazilians going at it there. Pearl Gonzalez against Gina Mazzani. We know Gina from Extreme Couture. She used to train there. I don't think she's any longer at Glory MMA Fitness, although I guess, I guess it wouldn't matter when it comes to if you're not in the UFC um, and you're training for boxing. Maybe it doesn't matter. I don't know. I think, I think the gym was supposed to close altogether. But um, that's not a slight of James Krause. That's news. Um, but she was part of that team. Pearl Gonzalez, uh, we've gotten to know her. She stopped by the studio before, and we've interviewed her. She's done BKFC. She's done MMA. She's done, and now she's doing some boxing. She's one and zero against an O and O fighter. So that that to me goes. That's got my attention. I can tell you right now. I'm, I'm going to get this pay per view. That sounds like entertainment to me. Even old Joe Riggs is on there. Yeah, it's fun because. You know, you have your matchup of boxer versus MMA guy, uh, but you also have MMA against MMA, which levels the playing field a little bit. Um, Anthony Pettis, much respect to him. You know, he's in that main event. But Roy Jones Jr. has probably forgotten uh, more boxing than Anthony could ever pick up, you know, in in this time. Like, 
there's just so much muscle memory to that and so many adjustments to be made and situations that I, I feel like Roy Jones is going to do well. But I like the the Aldo fight. I'm excited to see that one the most. Yeah, that should be a lot of fun. I'm excited for it as well. And real quick, I'm not sure I, I really I, – I know I've said it before. We've had a lot of fighters from the card, but this fight card for PFL is Brendan Lochnane against Marlon Ryans at the top of the bill. We caught up with both fighters. Go to youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video. You want to watch those interviews. The Lochnane one was in studio, so it was a lot of fun. It was a little more relaxed. We took our time. We even had a good street fight story from him. So that one's available if you want to check it out. I'll retweet it later. Rob Wilkinson versus Diago Santos. Wilkinson's the former or the last year's light heavyweight champ. So him and Lockning, two former champions right at the top of the bill. The PFL is really, really coming strong against two established UFC veterans. Mariah's a former champion at WSOF. Longtime title contender like Diago Santos as well in the UFC. Christoph Jocko. Against Will Flurry, Movlid Kabulayev, a former champion at PFL, didn't compete last year, but he's 19-0-1. Against Ryoji Kudo, Chris Wade versus Bubba Jenkins, they're probably mugging each other right now at the Virgin Theater. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so solid card for them. And the points mean something, man. They come out of the gate. They, the points mean something. So you probably want to tune in, set up the three TVs, and uh, I think you guys are going to have a good time on Saturday night. I mean, uh, essentially, right. essentially, when you think about it, uh, if you take game bread boxing, you mix it with PFL and Bellator and create like a five fight main card, really, you're only paying for one, right? But I mean, your weekend will be just as stacked as any other weekend. So yeah, I'm totally down. That Wilkinson and, and Santos fight, there's no way that goes the distance, right? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think, I think, well, Sian, Santos is a bad intentions guy for sure. And Wilkinson is got experience. That's the one thing that worries me about Marias and Santos. And the way I think we asked both fighters, is there a strategy to follow? Have you talked to fellow former converts coming from UFC? You know, because yeah, you always want to be excited. You want to go for the finish. The points mean something, but guess what? Two wins goes is three and three and six points usually gets you in to the playoffs. Even if you're the fourth yeah. seed, you got to get in the playoffs. Otherwise, all this bullshit, you know, when, when they show you, you want this or this or this, Bellator, one, UFC, what do you want? And a lot of people are drawn to PFL. Look, I could win a million dollars in one year. You can't if you don't make the playoffs. Right. So there's got to be a little bit of a balance to the two. Yes, points are important, but staying healthy is also very important. But um, I think now with a few seasons under the belt, hopefully everyone has figured it out. Okay. I think it's time for our guest now. Now, this is our pre-record with Yanni Diakomahalis, excuse me, who won his fourth Division One NCAA title a few weekends ago during the same weekend as March Madness, except they call it March Madness, out in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He's only one of five people. To ever win four titles in four years at the Division One level, he's an elite company, that's for sure. (laughs) 
What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another superstar from the world of combat sports. Today, we get to talk to Yanni Diakomahalas, who just notched his fourth Division I title, uh, a feat that's only been done by four other wrestlers. He's the fifth. Very incredible. From Cornell University, congrats, Yanni, on your latest title this past weekend. Yeah, thank you very much. You know, re- really cool moment I'm able to have. Thank you elite company you know we here in uh, the mma world hey it's established now after almost 30 years of the sport wrestling is the base not not to diminish all of the other sports and martial arts that encompass mixed martial arts they're all pretty close you know what i mean but it seems like if you're going to start with something it's that one so we often pull away and watch a little bit of march madness or the world championships Things like that, just because, uh, you know, we've had so many phenomenal athletes from your sport come to our sport and succeed. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, you know, wrestling, I think it's, it's very tough. You know, the things I hear from guys that are making the transition from MMA to, or from wrestling to MMA say that, you know, the wrestling workouts are the toughest. And I think, you know, like – those guys, I yeah, we're not fighting, but yeah, you're getting punched in the face. I'm getting armbarred. I'm getting choked in the room. You know, I'm yeah. getting put in all these situations that, you know, obviously it's way different when I've got a guy who's been striking his whole life, but I'm getting put in these situations where, you know, my, my heart's really being tested. And, uh, you know, I think that that's some, that's a, that's a, an intangible skill that you see a lot with the, with the guys when they make that transition is like, they're tough, really tough dudes. When they're yeah. in the, when they're not plus the mental capacity that wrestlers have really transitions to our sport again. I, I think there's oftentimes probably fighters that maybe didn't want to lose that last half pound and they'll give up 30%, you know, and and you usually don't see that from the wrestling community. I mean, they they push themselves to incredible limits. And and listen, we've been in awe of fighters like Ben Askren who have won two titles and Johnny Hendricks won a title as well in MMA, two titles he won. You know, we got to know Jake Rochelle, who I believe won three titles. King Moe's a good friend of ours. He represented the United States, you know, international level, D.C., Cejudo. The list goes on and on. Four titles, though, man. Like, that is something pretty special, and I'm pretty sure each one of those guys, whenever they see you, are probably going to shake your hand. Um, What was it like when you were getting ready? I watched the match against Sasso. What was it like when you were getting ready to come out? You know, were were you you know talking to yourself or just hey man, this is historic? Uh, what, what were you saying to yourself yeah. to, you know, before the match started? Yeah, definitely. I mean, <clears throat> you know, the big thing with not just that match, but anytime you're in a situation where there's pressure on you, you know, you're always you're always trying to fall back on what you believe and what you do great, right? And you know, kind of just what I was in my ear the whole time is like, listen, you know, these guys, they're going to try to make it close. They're going to try to keep it interesting, going to try to steal a match. Just stay relaxed, stay loose. And if you stay attacking the guy, your points will come. So big thing kind of just in my head the whole time is like attack, attack, forward, pressure, get to the legs, you know, don't rush, just pressure the guy, right? And if you kind of look in that finals match, as the match progresses, I'm attacking more, pushing more. And yeah. it starts to shift in my favor. So I think kind of the big thing, and not just for that, you know, any kind of big stressful situation for myself is it's like build as the match goes on and stay on that guy. Do not give him a rest when you feel like you take the lead. 
Yeah, I I did exactly see that. For one, he seemed like a pretty pretty fast, quick dude, you know. And early on, he was attacking the leg. Um, from from our end, it's, through my MMA lenses, I was like, oh, is this guy going for some sort of a leg lock or whatever? But obviously, I know, you know, he was trying to grab a lot of singles, twisting your knee, and then you made a you you did a great job of of making sure that he you know didn't finish those those singles. Um, but I did notice that you stayed composed, and I think that was experience, calmness. And then as the fight wore on, you started to take it over. Um, what you know, is this a guy that you had faced before many times, e- even through high school, up and through through collegiate level? Or yeah, so Sam Sasso and I have wrestled. You know, if you date back to high school, I think we've wrestled six or seven times, and um, they've all they've all gone my way. But he's uh, he's incredibly skilled. You know, he made the national finals prior to that match. He's all American every year. He's competed in the national tournament. He was, you know, one of the best high school wrestlers in the country when we were competing in high school. So he's a, uh, you know, top, top level high school and college wrestling talent. Um, and because we had competed so much, very familiar with each other. So he knows exactly what I'm doing. I, I have an idea of what he's doing, you know. So whenever you're, you've wrestled somebody as many times as we have, there's going to be that familiarity aspect that, you know, you're going to have to get creative. You're going to have to do something different, right? Because they're, they're, they felt everything, you know, so you're going to have to give them something different. You already silver medaled in a world championships uh, in 2015, the world championships were here in Las Vegas and I went to it. I loved it. Awesome. And that was some high level wrestling. You know what I mean? And you, you did the same thing, but in 2022, that, that level. Yeah. So, I made my first met what you're describing as the senior level men's world championships is, you know, the pinnacle of the sport. It's the best of the best, <clears throat> much better than, you know, age level stuff. I had made my first world team in the fall of 2021. And I ended, I ended up going one, one. I lost to an Armenian wrestler named Vazgen Tevanian. Then in 2022, made the team again, drew him in round one, flipped the script and beat him. And then kind of went on a run. You know, I beat, um, an Olympian in the second round. I beat a wrestler from India whose name's Bajrang. He is Olympic bronze, couple-time world medalist. <clears throat> in the semifinals, I had a wrestler from Puerto Rico, Sebastian Rivera, who actually wrestled at Rutgers. And then I made I made the gold medal match. I got beat by this Iranian wrestler who, you know, is another young guy, won his world title. He's gonna be uh some someone I'm gonna be competing against for a very long time. Man, so you're already a straight up G, you know, like to Already be because you know not not to diminish of course incredible thing that you've done at the NCAA two A level but I remember in 2015 I was there I was asking questions and they're like well you know the, some of these guys are just older they've grown into their bodies they're stronger uh, especially a lot of the Eastern European guys that that don't have M- an MMA option or anything like that and they're just constantly wrestling 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 and testing each other and to do it at what what was it 21 22 years old yeah, that was really amazing. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's um, the world championships. So the big difference between college wrestling and international wrestling is that in college, it's American folk style wrestling. Folk Only style Americans do it, yeah. right? The style is a little different, rules a little different than in freestyle, I, which is what I prefer. That's what the whole world does. It's it's much more rewarding of your skill. You know, the reason I think the Americans transfer over to the UFC so well is because folk style is so much about control, dominating, staying on top of the guy. Right. And you see that transfer over where a wrestler gets on top of a guy and they can't get away from him. And whereas in the freestyle is a way it's much more of an athletic contest. And you'll see it where, 
you know, an American guy who's been squeezing and kind of grinding his whole life goes overseas, competes against a Russian who's been training like a, like an athlete, you know, and that happens right now. Freestyles became more popular in the United States. You know, at least in my time, I feel like it's very popular and you're seeing guys transfer over, you know, really well. I mean, we had one of our most successful Olympic games in 2021 and um, team USA actually won a team world title that year. Yeah. I made the world finals. So, we're, we're 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 starting to really take hold of that international scene. Yeah. In fact, as soon as I saw that, I thought, okay, when I ask him about MMA, he is literally going to do one of those. You ever see those guys that when they're playing ping pong, boom, slam it right back at him. I go, no, this guy ain't coming over. He's he's succeeding on the international level this young. I think your goals, your aspirations, your dreams are still focused on wrestling or or am I wrong? Yeah, no, I mean, wrestling, it's my passion. You know, it, I've been doing it since I was five years old. I, It's something I want to be perfect at, you know. I, I think about myself like I'm a, a, a painter or a mad scientist, where it's like I just want to be absolutely perfect at it, right? And obviously, is that going to happen? No. You know, and who knows? In five years, we might be talking, and I might tell you something completely different and say, you know, I want to fight. But right now, you know, my, my heart is all in for the wrestling you know i really want to make a run at this 2024 olympic year and then hopefully down the line you know continue to compete and then maybe segue into coaching or who knows after that what you can do would you say you find mma entertaining at all like do you, do you watch it do you enjoy I it? it i love it you know saturday night is fight night you know with me yeah. and my buddies we all get together and watch i love it i i would definitely say i'm a huge fan of MMA and I have an incredible amount of respect for those guys. You know, they're, they're the toughest human beings in all of sports. They're making a living off some guy trying to beat them to near death and they're trying to do it back to them. And it's incredibly difficult and it's a lot of training, a lot of life commitment. You know, I've been around those guys, <clears throat> seen what they do. It's a lot. And I have a ton of respect for those guys. You know, wrestling's had such a big effect on mixed martial arts. But in time, as the UFC got bigger, as mixed martial arts got bigger, could you almost say that the reverse started to happen a little bit too? Did MMA maybe open the doors up for people to go, I want to get into wrestling early on? I think 100%, you know, and and you see it where wrestling is starting to gain MMA fans. I, I know kids who I went to school with who have never been to a wrestling match, but thought that, you know, Habib or John Jones was the coolest thing ever. And, you know, they have a wrestling background. And they're like, well, I want to watch some wrestling. And now they're wrestling fans. So I, I actually think, you know, as much as wrestling is done for the UFC, just because the wrestlers are doing so well, I think the UFC does equally as much, if not more, of promoting the wrestling. Because, you know, it's it, it trickles down, right? You see these guys succeeding. You see a guy like John Jones, who people are calling one of the greatest fighters ever. You know, there was a point where almost all the champs are wrestlers. And I think people are like, well, let's see what these guys are doing. Let's see what that sport's like. And, you know, I think you can pull fans in that way. For sure. So what you've accomplished is just so out there and so difficult. What would you say separates you from a lot of the other people that have tried to do what you do? You know, I, I don't like to talk about myself a ton. I think one skill that I have that, you know, is really valuable for me, I'm very flexible and I have a really good uh, aptitude for learning. So, you know, kind of growing up, my dad was very interested in like the art of the sport. He was my coach my whole life. So we didn't do a ton of lifting or running or conditioning. We did a lot of technique and live wrestling. So because of that, 
you know, a lot of my time was spent studying film, watching matches, you know, talking out, talking about it, thinking about it, watching it, you know, and because of that, I, I, I developed this very good kind of internal picture of wrestling, right, where I can see everything and kind of translate that into what I'm doing. And I think when you have something like that, it really allows, you know, my coaches to kind of be like, hey, you need to do this and we can really quickly implement that change. You know, whereas maybe some other guys, not to their fault, but might need, you know, more reps, more time, more, you know, just thought to break that through and make that adjustment. I think if my coaches can jump on something, I, I can really quickly make that adjustment and translate it into my wrestling, which I think is really valuable. Well, we've established, man, that you're a gangster and you say you don't like to talk too much about yourself. So let me pivot here and just throw out a couple names from our sport and you can give me your opinion of, of them as it relates to wrestling and mixed martial arts. We'll start with Bo Nickel, who's made an incredible splash. Three-time winner of the NC2A Division I title at Penn State. I think he's like 3-0, and but man, like a lot of people are already saying this guy could win a title because he's going out there and he's making it look so easily. What, what, what are your thoughts on him and his transition? And Yeah, so Bo's one of those guys who was pretty clear about his desire to fight, you know, probably right from when he graduated. And he kind of went – you know, went away, took, I think he graduated pre-COVID. So he spent a good two or three years just like sharpening his craft, you know, really getting good at the skills that he needed to build to be a successful fighter. Um, and I think that that shows, you know, he had a plan. And we have a guy who has a plan and the means to execute it. They can they can do really good things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I work with the guys in the training lab a little bit. So I, I do kind of hear what they say about Bo and they're really excited about what he's doing, his skills, you know, his striking and everything. So, I mean, yeah, he looks great. You know, he hasn't really been tested by anybody. So, you know, when you see a guy like that, who's just coming in and putting people on the top of their head really quickly, you uh, can't help but wonder how far they can go. Right. So I think he, he's got, you know, a ton of potential there, especially, you know, so early in his career relative to these other guys. What about guys like Habib, um, Islam, Makashev, you know, the well, Dodgers fighters and, the way they've been able to take over the game, their style of combat sambo, their wrestling. What, 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 what do you see when you see them out there? Uh, I love them. I am a huge, huge Dagestan fighter guy. I think they're awesome. I have a ton of respect for that lifestyle too, you know, because so Dagestan, the mountain region, right? That whole area, Dagestan, Assetia, Chechnya, produce, you know, some of the best wrestlers in the world. I think in the Rio Olympics, it was – you know, 30% kind of number of all of the Olympic medalists in wrestling were from Dagestan um, in freestyle wrestling. So wow. they're, they, they're, they're onto something. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, growing up, I had a ton of respect for the Russian wrestlers and I, I like, you know, and you, you're starting to see it more and more. I like that they are just like bear mauling people. You know what I mean? Um, I think the biggest critique you hear from people is they'll call them boring because there's not a lot of striking. But there's something to say about me holding a guy down for 25 minutes and them not being able to get away from me. Right. And, um, you know, I think it's – I you know, Khabib, I have a ton of respect for that guy. You know, seems like he's a, a very strong moral fiber and works really hard. You know, he's kind of a funny character, which I really like. And, you know, yeah, I have a ton of respect for those guys. And, and I like – you know, they're, they're, they're more Sambo than wrestling, right? So it's a little different, but I like that aspect of like, they're just out there trying to maul you, which is, you know, some people don't like it. I really like it. How about a guy like Colby Covington, who may not have 
kind of had your resume in in college, right? But he's got an incredible motor, endless cardio, and he just like you said, he mauls somebody nonstop, and people just don't seem to have answers for that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just a testament of hard work, right? You see guys, and there's like I love watching a guy with like pristine boxing because it's just so cool to see something that is it's different to me. So I really have a lot of respect for it, but. As much as that is cool, I love to see a guy with just like the word that comes to mind is heart. You know, he's just out there and he's like, I don't care if this takes one minute or 25, I am just going to fight some, fight you. It's a fight, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, you brought up Covington and there's other guys like that too, but I have a ton of respect for a guy who's ready to go out there and just like make it a battle. Yeah. You know, I think, I think generally in sports, there's this predisposition that we have as humans to kind of, maybe take the easy way out if we can. And whenever you have a guy who's like, no, I want this to be really hard, really brutal for me and for you, I have a ton of respect for a guy like that, you know, as a, as a fighter. Right. Um, all right. What about Henry Cejudo? He won his gold medal early. And yeah. you know, you're talking about you've already wrestled at the international level. You've medaled. You want the Olympics maybe in 2024. In 2024, and I know it's hard to forecast, but – if you were to win an Olympic gold medal um, and maybe even a world championship, do you think you'd be satisfied with wrestling and then maybe reconsider your MMA decision like Cejudo or a guy like Jordan Burroughs where he's just medal after medal after medal stuck with the wrestling kind of thought about the MMA, but just said, no, uh, uh, this is, this is, this is what I'm going to do right here. Yeah. You know, in a way they're kind of doing the same thing where, you know, they hit they hit a really big milestone in their career and they both you can tell we're like, well, what's next? What's the next thing? And, you know, for Cejudo, he's like, I want to be a great UFC fighter. I want to conquer the UFC. And for Burroughs, he's like, I want to be the greatest wrestler ever. Right. And, you know, that's a huge goal that they both set completely, not completely, but different fields, but huge, huge goal. And I have a ton of respect for those guys. For me, you know, I don't know if it's as much of like the metal. I, there's a ceiling that we all have, you know, where it's like, this is, I'm not going to get any better than I am right now. And I want to see what that is. And if that takes me two years or eight years, you know, whatever. But that's, 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 I think when I'm ready, it's like, I know, like, all right, this is the pinnacle. This is as good as I'm going to get. Let's see what that is. Is that, you know, world silver? Is that Olympic gold? Is that dominating at the world level? What's that look like? And I think that's kind of, that's that's when I'm going to be ready. Whenever I hit that, like, all right, this is it for me. This is the best I could ever be, you know, and just so I think to answer your question, I guess it 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 might it doesn't have to do with the metal. It's it's just that I'm going to know I'm going to yeah. know and be like, this is it. And I yeah. think that's kind of a cop out answer. I know, but that's no. really how I feel about it. No, yeah, I totally get it. And there's really no right answer, wrong answer. It's your answer. And honestly, we you really don't know. I guess that's one thing I can tell you that you've yet to experience is just mid-25s, 30s, and 40s. We all change. Our outlook changes, you know. And yeah. so I could be talking to a completely different person in three years. We could be talking about your MMA debut in three years. Or maybe you'll grace us with one more interview talking about wrestling, you know, and and and, and uh, continuing to add to your incredible uh, – re- you know, read the resume that you have. But, all right, uh, last question. Cornell – obviously prestigious university 
Um, you went all four years. Did, did you finish the the education side as well? You finished your degree, or, or where are you at with that? What What did you major in? Yeah, so I'm in my last semester right now um, at Cornell. They you can kind of pick your own major. You kind of have to lobby to get into it. But my major is sports administration and management. Um, my original plan, I, I was in pre med, and I was like, I'm not going to be a doctor. What am I doing? You know, and I I switched into this major with the intention of, you know, I want to coach, I want to be a great wrestling coach. And that was how I felt, you know, um, I still feel like that. I still feel like that's something I could be really successful in, you know, in my future. And kind of the thought process was, listen, I'm at this Ivy league school. I'm at this incredible institution. I could just take a bunch of classes that don't matter, but I, I should try to build some skill, you know, build some skill for the rest of my life that I'm going to be able to fall back on. And kind of went back and forth with the uh my advisor a little bit to let me do it and you know we found this major so i'm mostly involved in communication nutritional science uh business and marketing psychology that kind of stuff and um i think it's a good skill set you know for being a coach manager ceo type of position in the athletics field you want a program like kale or john smith or maybe something on the high school level like daniel cormier you know again kind of like the mma question this answer could change, but like right now I, I want to run a program, a, a college program. You know, I, I, I know how much, you know, our head coach means to me and kind of what he did for me as a person, you know, outside of the wrestling. And like, I want to be that guy for, you know, guys coming in. I, you know, he's, he's somebody who is closer to family to me than my coach. And, you know, he's, he, and it's not just me, you know, there's, there's 15, 20, 30 guys that you could interview that would say that about him. And it's his second year of coaching uh, as the head coach. So I, I just, I want to be that guy, you know, for those people. And, and on top of that, you know, I have such an appreciation for it. That's really the highest level that you're going to coach at where you get the college guys, you know, you get a guy who comes in when he's 18 and if he sticks around to compete after, I might coach that guy until he's 30 when he retires, you know, for competing at an international level. So, you can really get a lot of time with a guy and you can really help them. Like we're talking for me. I want to see what my peak is. I can be the guy that takes a kid when he's 18 and hits their peak, which is a really special thing you can do for somebody. Hell yeah. Uh, that's amazing actually. And I'm glad that you were able to find a major that applied to that. This is great stuff. All right, Yanni, thank you so much for the time. We really no, appreciate it. Congratulations yeah, you for your accomplishments. Can't wait to see the next chapter. And if you ever find yourself in Vegas, we'd love to have you in our studio and, and maybe chat some more. But thanks for today. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for having me. You know, it was right. super fun. Awesome stuff. Well, he was a pleasant guy, wasn't he? Yeah, he's super, super fun. Uh, really good personality. Um, I would say that dude could be a star in MMA. If, and I have a feeling eventually he probably will go that route. Yeah, you know... Um, I was reading Ben Askren's book, which I started and got through about 80% of it, didn't finish it, and I've been finishing it in the last few days. His name popped up again. And Ben was talking about something Yanni actually mentioned in this interview, and that's, I may not be the fastest or strongest, but I have a plan, and I know details. Details about positions, and those little details have won me certain scrambles, certain positions, um, certain strategies. It was really, really cool to sync the two up. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I don't know if you can say this on air. If you can't, just say you can't. But how did you get a hold of him, Yanni? Yeah, 
his team approached mine or ours. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah. And yeah. He, uh, I really, really like that guy. Me too, because so he was really, really humble to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. And he had a good mind, like kind of like Cejudo, the way Cejudo breaks things down. He had like a good mind that way. Yeah, and you know, I wonder if in MMA, maybe we're missing some of that sometimes because, you know, I'll give you an example. I hadn't planned on this pivot, but, and I know I've said it many times, but I think it's a good example. Damian Maya, I really admire that guy. That guy used to go out and out jujitsu you, choke you, take home a bonus, two checks, go home. Then as the competition got harder, either someone stopped him from getting the fight to the ground or someone knocked him out. And what did this guy do? Instead of like continuing to pull guard or tell people he's going to go in the fifth round and drown him in deep waters, he immersed himself in wrestling, and next thing you know, this guy had an excellent sequence of taking your leg and going through some chain wrestling, getting you down, and keeping you down. And I really loved that adjustment he made in his game, and now he caused a lot of problems for guys. He would even out-wrestle wrestlers at times. He still suffered a little bit from cardio, lack of one-punch power, but he added something to his biggest tool, which was his Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you know? Mm-hmm. And when I was listening to, Yon- to Yanni, I really liked hearing that stuff about details. Like, we always hear about strength and conditioning and lasting 25 minutes. Well, how many times have you seen someone get starched in 30 seconds? Well, the strength and conditioning didn't help you. You didn't move your head, you know? Or you still had no answer for a certain takedown. Like, I tell you the truth, I was a little disappointed in Marlon Vera Kind of, I mean, those takedowns were a lot easier than I had remembered for someone as athletic yeah. as he was. I mean, Sanhagen really made it easy. And Sanhagen is known for what? Kickboxing and jiu-jitsu. And now he's added kind of wrestling as a tool. And I'm hoping that if he fights Algerian Sterling, he's actually continued to improve the jiu-jitsu to the point that he also tightens up his submission defense. Because just because you're a black belt ju- Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu still doesn't mean you can't get submitted. So it's still right. going to be all about those little details, you know what I mean? And I hope Marlon Vera is one of those guys that says, well, I got to work on – I don't want to work on anything else other than wrestling for the next three months. Um, mm-hmm. but it's anyway. a good place to do it too. It's yeah. in California. There's a lot of places you can go to. For sure. That's what I would be drilling over and over because it's not going to be any different. Like Peter Yan doesn't have too much interest in wrestling. So if you have to face Peter Yan, okay, you should be good, you know. But Aljo, that's all he wants to do. Look at Marab Duvalis, really, holy cow. You know, like, to get to Aljamain Sterling, I don't think I've ever seen a more potent gatekeeper. Maybe John Fitch to get to GST or whoever else. He used to dismiss pretty much everyone. But yeah, mm-hmm. Maradas really is a scary dude. And then to get to Duvalis really, you got to go through either Jan or O'Malley or whatever. So, you know, you need a little bit of help. That's why Henry Cejudo kind of caught a break after three years to just whoop, get in there. But he's decorated. Two titles, two different weight classes, two title defenses, and a gold medal. And he talks shit. You know, so yeah, I, I could see why the UFC said, ring him back. Although, they at one point did say, 
Henry Cejudo, why should he get a shot? When Henry was piping yeah. up about a year ago, Henry Cejudo, why should he get a shot? One year later, Henry Cejudo's getting a shot. Mm. It's almost on the clown, Dana, in a way. And I really like the guy. Um, I like him, too. I, I don't yeah, but I we really only enjoy him, but it's kind of on the clown. But, you know, he's yeah. always said, I like to give it out, too. So he's got thick skin. Um, yeah. Anyway, thank you again to Yanni and the, the – the it was Jeremy goes, if you want to know, Jeremy, Lucal, Santa Ana. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah he, he's the one that set that up. Okay, so just a few more news items here. Did you see Chris White, Weidman's comments recently? That was kind of – like? uh, It was a little heartbreaking, though. It was, man. And how can I put it to you? He – Wants to fight again. He is 38. I said Chris was 37. Yes, Chris is 37. Chris Cyborg. Chris Weidman's 38. He'll be 39 in June. He's a former champion. He defended the title one time. So he does have one title defense. Um, wrestled, you know, in, in college. So along the way, the guy's accomplished a few things. Ring of Combat middleweight champion as well. Fighter of the Year at the World MMA Awards. He's actually put together himself a nice career and only had to compete 21 times to do so, you know. Um, he did suffer some vicious KOs, too. And I'm just wondering, bro, is all this worth it? Because what is it that you want? Is it just the money? I get it. You got a family to look after? Um, or is it just the competition? Because I wish it was in another sport. Um, or is it the title? Because you won the title and you beat the all-time great or one of them to do it, then you mm -hmm. broke his leg in the second one when everyone thought you couldn't do it. Now were what were both wins non-satisfactory to many, including yours truly, perhaps, you know, but you still got your arm raised, you were still recognizing champion, and it goes down in the history books. And after reading what he's saying, you know. I, I just don't know why he wants to go through with it. So what he said was, here, here, here's him recollecting the fight against Uriah Hall. As soon as I broke my leg and I saw it, I go, quote, holy crap, I saw the bones and everything. I just remembered Anderson Silva screaming in pain like someone was murdering him, and I know this is going to suck, and here comes, and as soon as I felt the pain kick in, I was just begging people, please. The quote continues, now they're moving my leg around, they're trying to hold it into place as I getting me on the stretcher and all this crap and the bones are moving around and the pain i can't even explain the pain the pain was the worst thing i could ever imagine i kept begging them to give me pain pills give me something quick put me to sleep give me on the painkillers knock me out i cannot deal with this this is not meant for human beings to deal with man that was sad to read goes and so what he's saying is he's got an actual titanium rod through the middle of his shin bone and it goes from top of the knee to the bottom part of the ankle. And so he says, on paper, I'm pretty good. Uh, he doesn't feel like he's going to break his bone, you know. And his goal is to possibly kick still as hard as he can. But he says, I, I think a lot of what he's also explaining is this is a big mental hurdle. He says he can still make 185. He still wants to do it. But I, I guess my question to you goes is why? Yeah, I mean, you make great points of the things that he's accomplished. I, I would want to believe that he can recognize that as well. 
So this is just an assumption, but to me, it probably has to do with money. And you just use you just use all that other stuff kind of as a smoke screen, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh because you're right, it's all there. This respect is there. There's nothing to prove. I think it's probably a money thing. And that's why I admire someone like Ally Aquinta who appears to be retired for good. And he's out there hustling, kind of creating his own thing. He started it even while he was competing as a realty guy in Long Island where Chris is at. Looks like it's starting to pick up. He's investing money, you know, using social media to promote his sales. Um, He knew when to quit and get out and move on to something else. And I'm not saying Chris doesn't. Maybe Chris is, you know, he's got the Sarah. There's a Sarah Longo team, but him him and Longo have a gym called Law, Longo and Wideman. Mm-hmm. At least I hope it's still in existence. So hopefully that does something. Again, it could just be competition, but after hearing his own comments, seeing the injury, knowing the path to the title, whew, that seems like a lot. And those KOs. Eliminate one of those. Hey, he's been healthy. He's never gotten KO'd. Oh, okay. Give it a run, Chris, if the leg's going to hold up. Ah, mm-hmm. he came close like Kobe Covington. Almost won it. Maybe won an interim. He wants that undisputed. He wants to taste gold. Go for it, Chris. Hopefully you can get a quick pass to maybe like a Cejudo or something, being a former champion. But no, I think a lot of this kind of does sometimes go back to money. You know, some of your best paychecks come when you're retired or, sorry, in your latter stages of your career. He might be a guy that picks up 250, you know, just to show, not even to win. Mm-hmm. And if he wins that, maybe the next one's three. He might look at it as a big dent into the mortgage or who knows what, I don't know, but we wish him the best, you know. Uh, The only other thing I guess I have goes is Ryan Hall, 16 injuries he's had. He still wants to come back and compete in MMA. Um, 16's a lot, isn't it? Like, uh, what would he do? Like, I I, I guess, again, is it go down to money or what? This guy's very decorated in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, he could grapple and train people and probably run a gym. I don't know. But MMA, didn't, it didn't look to me like he had what it took to get to the top. So No. He had a couple. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I think he should just stay away at this point. 16 injuries is a lot. Sorry, surgeries. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Since he wants to maybe come back in the fall. Uh, I don't like the shit on people, but that. that well, that's you. Those are your words coming out of your mouth. Um, torn ACL, meniscus is what he's getting over. Um, torn ligaments in his foot, I think he said. That is a lot. Ryan Ortega, by the way, is telling Ely Tuporia, you don't use your mouth to get a fight with me. Um, no, he said, you can't use your mouth to come up here. Brian, I respectfully disagree. He's got to say it. Um, because if he doesn't, then who's he's just gonna fall into that whole thing about letting the UFC dictate his career. Either Tapuria had a great performance against Bryce Mitchell. Why not say something like that? Why not call him out? Brian says he's not ready to go anyway, but maybe if he is and he gets the call, he will do it. But I've seen those types of moves. When I do the rankings, I'm like, oh man, the number 15 guy beat the number four guy. I got some work to do to figure out where that ha- where to move that guy up. But guess what? That number five, 15 guy. 
by winning, he makes a move. That's how you make a move by calling someone ahead of you. So I thought I thought his comments were a little bizarre. More than anything, I was just giving people an update that Ryan Ortega is, is re, uh, not ready to fight yet, but says he'll be ready to fight soon. But any thoughts there? Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I don't think uh, I don't think Tapoya is wrong in doing what he's doing. That's what I'd be telling him to do. Ortega is kind of a mystery because he's good enough to contend at the top. What he just doesn't have is that that consistency that makes you think this is a dude that can not only win the belt but hold on to it for years. Like he doesn't have that type of fight game. And who goes? Brian Ortega. Oh, Ortega. Um, and so I just remember him like his face just being battered and. I feel like this is a guy that uh, is not going downhill, but has maybe reached that peak, you know? So I would actually kind of invite these type of fights and, and really uh, you no longer really have that ranking to fall back on. I think, I think what you need to do is, is get a little street, you know, just your reputa reputation. Uh, I'm just a bad man. Let's get out there and let's do it. Kind of like what Diego Sanchez does a little bit. I'd like to see Brian be a little bit more like that, and maybe maybe that would get me more excited to see him. I'd like to see him do what Damian Maya, what I suggested to him, <laughs> Rivera, wrestle, 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 tighten that part of your game up. I'm not saying they're not doing it. They probably are. But I'm talking about really, really move away for three months, go somewhere where that's all you're going to do is drill and drill and drill and don't do anything else. Um because, yeah, you know, you start to fight a certain amount of fights, and then you can tell you reach the mountain and you might start dropping, and the fans, media, promotion loses faith as you as a possible title contender because there's always other big names coming up. So do something about it. Tighten it up. He has taken damage. I'll give him a lot of credit, though. He did improve his hands. I've seen a lot of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu guys not improve their hands over the years. Brian did improve his hands, and he's got really, really nice hands. Uh, could always get better, but still enough that it got him to some title fights. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I thought the trajectory was high for Brian Ortega. He's a good-looking kid, Hispanic kid. He was featured in a lot of you know different types of marketing stuff. And I thought, oh, man, this guy could really, really be a star. But some injuries, some losses, it set him back. We'll see what happens. That said, goes, I think Teporia is the truth, man. Me too. Holy cow. Like, that guy could be the one that puts Spain – and I think he's also got Georgia, some Georgia blood mm -hmm. in him as well. Of course, that country's been on fire. Um, I, I I wouldn't be opposed to seeing the fight is all I'm saying. I'd be down. Yeah. All right, folks, we're going to bow out of here. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. And uh, don't forget, Saturday's a big day with PFL, Game Red Boxing, March Madness. Friday's a big day as well for Bellator. You want to check that out. And no UFC this weekend, but the following weekend is UFC 287. Goes and I will be hosting a watch-along at, I know I said 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific, and that is true. That's the main card portion, but him and I actually join you at 8 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern for the four featured freedoms on the card uh, that lead into the figure. That's the part that's free. That's the part where we get the engines warmed up and ready to go for the big uh, main card so far i know of kelvin gastelum versus chris curtis that's going to be money cynthia calvillo and lupita godinez that should be a great great test calvillo back at strawweight 
Michelle Watterson's on the card. Chris Barnett against Chase Sherman. They'll throw down. And then the main card, Christian Rodriguez against Raul Rosas Jr. I think that's more of a spotlight on Chris Raul Rosas Jr., the young kid who's still in high school, I think, maybe. I don't know. Um, Kevin Holland versus Santiago Ponzanibio. Adrian Yanez against Rob Font. Holy cow. Gilbert Burns, Jorge Masvidal, and Alex Ojeda versus and, um, Israel Adesanya. That's that's crazy. I, I really like that, that main card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should be a fun one. Enjoy your weekend, folks. And, oh, uh, last reminder, spinning back click every Monday, live, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Tune in. I guarantee you, you will make it a weekly habit. You just got to subscribe, ring the bell, and set your reminders. But I was listening this week. I wasn't hosting. I don't think I'll host next week. But I really sat there and enjoyed listening to all these cats. A lot of times I'm thinking about my next move or what I'm about to say and not maybe enjoying their answers as much as I should as a fan. And this time, I can tell you, you'll enjoy especially you hardcore, because these guys really dissect the latest news. All right, folks, take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Again, go out and be a champion.